0: worship the Lord this morning. We move communion around around here. We may meet you in the parking lot with it one day. Because we don't want it to be a ritual. We want it to be real in your life. Psalm 37, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Don't get all tore up about the people that are crazy. They're not, they ain't going nowhere unless they come to Jesus. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Say, do not fret. It only causes harm causes harm. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, they shall vanish into smoke, they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him, that's a capital H, the Lord, shall be cut off. The steps of the good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. That is our promises from the Lord. Amen? Say it with me. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness, your long-suffering, for your word. Thank you, Lord. You are faithful. We want you to find us faithful. May you find us faithful, each one of us, as we live out our lives, as we race toward the end of time, as we hear your word, as you look to your people. For us to desire you more than anything else. Let that be our lot in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank God for His Word. We had a Word Wednesday night as well. We're going to publish that. A lot of things God's trying to get our attention about. Amen. He wants us to stay encouraged and strengthened. I'm going to keep you all, everybody with me this morning. I'm going to be short. Uh, and then we've got something else to do before we go to the picnic and the baptism. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Now, this is going to spring from last week. David was used of God to take Goliath's head off, and we preached about how he never let the battle come down into the natural realm. He always kept it up here. Kept it up here in the spiritual side. He always kept looking to God, giving God all the credit. That's our deliverance. I want to talk to you a little bit further this morning about deliverance. God looks for to deliver His people, so He... The Bible calls it bondage, therefore we need delivered. The world calls it addiction, but whatever you want to call it, God is the answer. Can you say amen? Amen. Deliverance is God's specialty. That's His specialty. We see it all through the Old Testament. We see it all in the New Testament. And He wants us to look to Him for our deliverance. Verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. It's interesting to me that David even understood some level of that in his day. Because he kept saying about this battle he was getting ready to go take place. He kept giving God the credit. He kept referring to Goliath as coming against God, not against him, not against people. He kept the battle in the spiritual realm. That's what we have to do. Once we let it down here, that's when the devil gets in on us. Starts pushing us around, starts causing doubt and fear. The message last week was primarily on doubt. Peter was fine as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus. You know that story. As soon as he took his eyes off the Lord, he started sinking. So we need to remember that whatever battle you're facing, you need to keep it up here. Recognize that God's still the answer, that the battle is between him and Satan. You need to keep that in the spiritual realm so that you can have victory. You're not going to get victory going toe-to-toe with the devil. Jesus is the only one that can go toe to toe with the devil. Even the archangel Michael in the book of Jude, when he came to deal with Satan, he said, "The Lord rebuke you." He used God's authority, right? Even an archangel used God's authority. That's where our power and authority comes from. David understood that. So then he goes on to say, he says, "We don't, we don't." Uh, um, verse three: We don't walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We're not going to fight these battles in the flesh, getting angry and all that kind of stuff, trying to outmanipulate Satan. You and I are not going to outmanipulate Satan. You and I are not the Johnny-come-lately that the devil don't know how to deal with. He's been dealing with men and women for nearly 6,000 years, chewing them up and spitting them out the whole time. The Bible says that he was, the serpent was cursed in the garden to eat the dust of the earth. And spiritually speaking, that's exactly what Satan's been doing. He's been devouring men and women ever since then. We're made out of the dust of the earth. And that's what Satan's been doing ever since then. So you and I are no match for Satan by ourselves. We need the covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And we're glad that God's on His throne. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Keep the battle there. If you let it down here, that's when we start doubting. That's when we start getting discouraged, distracted with all those things. Keep the battle where the battle needs to be. That's just like like David did. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God, right? Not in ourselves. In God. The moment we think we're getting stuff done on our own is the moment we're getting ready to fall. In God, he says, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, how many, you you know, I'm not opposed to preaching something for three months. I'm not opposed to us singing the same song ten weeks in a row if the Holy Spirit's trying to get a point across. That's how I, when I first started preaching, I thought I needed to get the whole Bible preached in the first year. And that didn't happen, by the way. (laughs) But when you talk about our makeup, I preached for three months. This should be on our YouTube channel about the difference between the soul and the spirit. And the flesh, right? And he's talking something here that I want you to pick up on. This, the, the body, this soulish man is where all the engagement takes place, right? This is where the devil, he tries to use the body to bring, give a signal to the soul. The Holy Spirit, once he takes up residence, he's giving signals to the soul because both the devil and God intends to impact our thought process and our decision making. The Holy Spirit has been given to us to impact our lives and certainly our decision making. Because our soulish man is where our mind and our will and our emotions are located. And in that, that's where we come to decisions. So this is an important part that he's talking about here. He says that we go tear tear down strongholds and arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Your mind... And my mind should not be a dumpster. We shouldn't allow ourselves to just think on anything, to just whatever the world throws at us, to just let it come on in. We need to be on the offense against that, right? We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when we should change the channel, right? Or change the station, or walk away from a conversation. Right? We need to not allow those things in on our minds. And, and it's not just worldly and fleshly things. A lot of times it's doubt, right? It's unbelief. All those things that the enemy's trying to get because he wants our decisions to be based on everything out here and not the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in our lives, and now his desire is to influence every sector of our lives. That's what he wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to influence every sector. The Holy Spirit, as I said last week, didn't come so we could have better church services. The Holy Spirit came to conquer all of us. To bring us into a place of surrender so that this soulish man will submit to him. So now this battle That you and I are going to fight is going to be against is going to take place primarily in the soulless realm. And he says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now think about David, as we talked about last week. He's coming in. He's got every reason not to go down in the valley. Every reason. First thing he can say, well, I'm not really king. He he was already anointed, right? He could say, well, I'm not king. It's not really my place to do it. He can do it, right? Saul wasn't going to do it. Then his brothers, and not only his brothers, if you read the text, other people around took the same case as his brother. They sided with his brother. They were mad at him, ridiculed him, thought he was bigger than everybody else. They were trying to put shame on him. There's another reason why I don't want to make everybody else look bad by going down the valley. My brothers are even against me, which is typified of what well, was to come for Jesus as well. All this stuff's going on. And then beyond all the chatter, and we all hear chatter, right? You're going to hear chatter from Satan. Maybe not Satan. He can't, he's not God. He can't. But you're going to hear chatter from one of his demons or something that's going to be trying to influence you. You're going to hear chatter from the world. You're going to hear chatter from people around you that are lost. You're going to hear chatter from people around you that say they're saved and they're not serious about God at all. You're going to hear all kinds of chatter around you. You're going to have the chatter of fear. You're going to have the chatter of discouragement, distractions. You're going to have all of that. David's got all of that. And then he has to look down the valley and look at a guy that's probably almost twice his size. So he's got all these things going into his soulish man. But notice from last week, he never let that bring him down. He stayed up here with the battle. In the spiritual, he kept talking about God, he kept bragging on God, he kept saying it's God's honor that needs to be defended. He never brought himself, and even when he talked about the armies that were getting defied, he didn't say Saul's armies, he said the armies of the Lord. So he was going out in God's authority and instead. That's why a lot of Christians can't win their battles. They let the, the battle come down here, get in on them, next thing you know they're sinking. Just like Peter. And we've all had that experience. I'm not here to throw stones at anybody. But there's a better way to live. I tell your neighbor, there's a better way to live. A way of victory. The Bible tells us that we can have the victory in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, he says, Every thought in captivity the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. In other words, you've got to be in a spot where you don't settle with something that you knows wrong between you and God. Maybe he's asked you to do something. You've let it go. Whatever the case is, you don't want to settle. You want to stay, stay on your guard. Keep the battle where it's supposed to be. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. And David had an understanding of that to some level. Even in the Old Testament, it's a spiritual battle. Now, let's go to Psalm 34. This is a Psalm of David. I want you to remember uh, what he did. He went down that valley, took his head off. He told him he was going to take his head off. Now, that's bold. But he he was bold in the Lord. Nothing about David's life shows us that he was trusting in anything other than the Lord. And when you follow that in Samuel there, 17, where we were at last week, he didn't doubt not one time. He didn't fret at all. Fretting only causes harm. He went down there because his confidence was in the Lord. Now, in Psalm 34, this is a psalm of David. I want you to listen to his posture, how he lives his life. He's not perfect. But listen to the rule of his life. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Is that you? What, what if you just took a tape recorder and just turned it on and listened to you, yourself all day? Recorded yourself. And then you went back home and played it for the family. Maybe you ought to try that. Maybe, wonder if your day has more complaining and grumbling in it like the children of Israel than it does blessing the Lord? He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. That is a guy that can't complain because praise is always coming out of his mouth. He can't be discouraged, defeated. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. So notice what he said. We're going to boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. That's how we should be as Christians, right? Provoking one another to keep God in front of everything, to give Him praise. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from most of my fears. I misread that, didn't I? He, will de- he delivered me from all my fears. They say all. all. The Bible says perfect love cast out fear, and the Greek says all fear. Perfect love. Who is perfect love? Jesus. Jesus took up residence with you and the Holy Spirit. Now you think about that. How can you and I have any fear in our lives now that the Holy Spirit's living inside of us? Do you think the Holy Spirit's afraid of anything? He ain't afraid of nothing. He knows how many seeds are in a watermelon. He knows where every person on the earth is at this very moment. The Lord knows where every ant is crawling in this earth at this very moment. He knows where every sparrow's flying. He knows which ones have fallen to the ground and which ones haven't you got a God that's in charge. I think it's time for the church to stand up and act like we serve a God who's in charge. And then he says, I saw the Lord, he heard me, delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. That's when our lives are better, when we look to God. Not when we look to man, not when we look to each other, not when we look inward to ourselves, but when we look to God. That's when life is better. As long as Jesus, as long as Peter was looking at God, which is Jesus God in the flesh, Emmanuel, as long as he's looking at him, he was fine. But when we stop looking to God and start counting on the world and its system, which has done being judged and getting ready to collapse, by the way, we are going to lose ground. We're going to start sinking. We need to keep ourselves like David, no matter every step, every obstacle that was in front of him, to even looking at the giant, he kept saying, This is about God. This is about God. I'm on His side and He's on my side. So we can't lose. If God is for us, who can be against us? He that's inside of you is greater than he that's in the world. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is inside of us. We have the power through God. Can you say amen? This poor poor man, he calls himself, this poor man cried out and the Lord heard him. Saved him out of all of his troubles. There it is again. All his troubles. Not some of his troubles. All of his troubles. And he said, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him. And we quote sometimes the only part of that verse. But the rest of that says, and delivers them. The angel ain't just hanging out to make sure your electricity don't go out. He's not just hanging out so a bear's outside and to shoo him off. He's hanging out at your house to deliver you from the snares of Satan. We have power and God is an awesome deliverer. He specializes in deliverance. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him, receiver of divine favor. Oh, fear the Lord you. This is David talking now, the guy who slew the giant. There is no one to those who fear Him. We've got our trust. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. What a word for all of us. Come, and that's kind of what God was saying to us, right, at the end of worship. Come, bring you stuff. I, I won't withhold any good thing. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life, loves many days that he may see good. Keep your tongue from evil. There's a good word, right? And your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. And that's kind of what God was saying to us with the word we got Wednesday night. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to Wednesday, please go back and listen to that. We're going to write some of that stuff down and make it plain for you. The Lord said, no more plowing, the ground has been turned enough. He was speaking that to this country. There'll be no more plowing, the ground has been turned enough. We are now responsible no nation, with the exception of Israel, has been as blessed as we've been blessed. God has been good to this nation. He's blessed us in every way through our, Christian, uh, through our Christian heritage, through the land that He's given us, through the materials and the resources, through blessing us and standing behind us in many occasions. We have turned our back on Him so much since the 1920s. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. It's like slapping the hand that feeds us. That's exactly what it's like. This country should be ashamed, not because of the political environment. That's all a byproduct of the sin we have, but because we have walked away from God. We got people that don't go to church anymore that used to. We got people that used to witness the people that don't do it anymore. We have people that used to stand with God's word that are now more interested in standing with the political party than they are God's word. Shame on us. We ought to (laughs) repent and have God bringing back into our places. We've kicked his word out of the courtroom. We've kicked his word out of, the, out of the public square. We've done everything we could do to the one that feeds us and watches over us and protects us. Shame on us since the 1920s. In the 1920s, materialism became evident in this country. And people started seeking other things. Jesus told us, he said, and when I'm getting ready to come back, he said, well, I find faith. He didn't say, will I find a good church? Will I find a good preacher? Will I find a good worship team? Will I find a good Sunday school teacher? He didn't say any of that. He said, when I come back, am I going to find anybody living in faith? That's what he said. And then he also cautioned us. He said, don't get caught up in drunkenness and cares of this life that that day catches you off guard. In the 1920s is when this country took a turn and we started caring about the things of this life, in some cases more than the things of God. That's got to change. We've got to become the people who are the children of Abraham. The Bible said he is a father of faith. And the Bible said he built his altars and pitched his tent, signifying to us that his stock was more in eternity than it was in this life. He was so care- could care less about this life, he let Lot pick first. And Lot picked the very best thing around because God, Abraham knew that God... Was his portion. And because he trusted in God, he, he built his altars and pitched his tents telling us that he put more stock in the life to come than the life he was living now. That's the kind of Christians this world needs to see. The ones that are more caught up in the things of God than the things of the world. That's who we've got to be. Can you say amen? He goes on to say, he said, his ears are open to their cry, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Children, listen to me in verse eleven. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is who is the man who desires life? Loves me. He gave, keep your tongue from evil, your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil, do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles, all of them. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, save such of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He just keeps telling us that, don't he? He Keeps telling us that. Now I'm going to take you to um, Psalm 18. I'm I'm not going to spend much, I'm not going to be too long this morning. Psalm 18, verse 2 is going to be on this board, and then we'll go down the chapter and read some. This is what he said He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That's David again. That's David talking. That's the kind of guy that went down into the valley and took his head off. Took Goliath's head off. The guy who trusted in the Lord. He said, God's my everything. That's what God wants to be in all of our lives. You may be in a different position. You may have a different role in life. You may have a different job, whatever. You may have Uh, more than somebody else or less than somebody else. That's not the issue. The issue is that God is your all in all. No matter where your position at in this world is. Let me just remind you this. You didn't bring nothing in. You ain't taking nothing out when you leave. That's a a word to everybody that's under the sound of my voice. Now, in Psalm 30, excuse me, verse 18. Let's go to verse 16. Psalm 18 and 16. Listen to how he talks. and hes You know, this is a guy that's, Uh, overcome Goliath and many things in his life. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. I'm sorry. Did I say 25? Let's go to verse 25. Psalm 18, verse 25. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. With the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. But you will save the humble people for you will save the humble people but will bring down haughty looks for you will light my lamp the lord my god will enlighten my darkness for by you listen to what he says i can run against a troop if god is for you you and god make a majority up right what did the prophet say open this guy's eyes so he can see one angel killed 180,000 in one night they don't want him showing up to the wrestling tournament for by you I can run, uh, run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, he, His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. For who is God Who is God except the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. He teaches my hands to make war so that my arms can bend the bow of the bronze. You have also given me the shield of your salvation your right hand has held me up your gentleness has made me great you enlarge my path under my that my feet did not slip I have pursued my enemies overtaken them neither did I turn back again till they were destroyed I have wounded them so that they could not rise they have fallen under my feet for you have armed me with strength for the battle somebody say amen your strength, if you're going to have victory, is going to come from the Lord. It's not going to be from how clever you think you are or how smart you think you've got because you've read 18,000 books. It's going to be from the Lord. He already tells the Bible, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Now, I'm going to take you to Psalm 121. I'm going to read you a couple of things and run you through this real quick, and then we're going to go one more place back to Psalm 18. In Psalm 121, you need to get the understanding of what David's doing here, or what the psalmist is doing here. We use this verse, again, out of context. He's not saying he looks to the hills. If you could see this in Hebrew, it's like he's shaking his head. He's writing sarcastically. He says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? You'll notice there's a question mark behind that. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The reason he brought that up is because that's where the false gods were at. They were out on the hills and high places. And people would go out there and look to them and and be deceived and do all kinds of stupid stuff. And then in Psalm uh, 20, 20, 122, verse 1, he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now, he's confirming again, he ain't looking out to the hills, right? He's, he's, he's looking to his God. There's only one true and living God. He said, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city, is compact together. Now, let's go to Psalm 123. Look what he says now. Unto you... Now these Psalms weren't broken up in originally, but this has been a whole thought. Unto you I lift up my eyes. O you who dwell in the heavens. In other words, what the psalm is saying, I ain't looking to the hills. I'm looking past the hills. I'm looking to the one that's in the heavens. I'm looking to the one who made the hills and who owns all the cattle on the thousand hills. That's where we got to be. We're not looking to the world. We're not looking to the hills or the high places or false gods or friends or relatives. We're looking past all that. We're looking into the heavens where the God of the universe dwells. And that's what Isaiah saw when he was a little bit discouraged. The Bible said he saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple of God he is the mighty one of Israel he's on his throne he don't sleep he don't slumber he's watching out for you and I he's already been around the corner before we get there he's on our side now let's go back to Psalm 18 I'm quitting I'm quitting I'm going to cut it short I'm not going to cut it short I just need to finish what I started last week and I'm almost done. <laughs> I could have kept you all here last week, I guess. <clears throat> Look what he said in verse 37 where we were at. He said, I have pursued my enemies and overtaken them. Neither did I turn back again until they were destroyed. Now, I want you to think about that in the spiritual context. Think about it in David's life, your life. But think about it in the spiritual context. And I'm going to take you one more place in your minds. I'm just going to rehearse something to you. I have wounded them so that they could not rise. They have fallen under my feet. For you have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued unto me those who rose up against me. You know where David got that thought from? You know where he understood that from? He understood that from the Red Sea. Hmm. Anybody feeling that? God brought them out. Let me tell you something. God is an expert at deliverance and he brought them out and Moses was there and had his rod representing the authority and the word of God and God parted a two and a half mile spot in that red sea open to the other side and three miles wide and he let almost three million people cross over and before they cross over the wind not only parted the sea but it dried up the ground that they were going over some places in the Red Sea there, they say the mud is 12 foot thick. If God hadn't showed up. Let me tell you what, if you do the geography of that, they were stuck. It was like they were in a triangle. The mountains were here, the was coming here, and the sea was in front of them. It was either God or nothing. I tell you, I think we're coming to a time where we're going to be in spots where it's going to be God or nothing. Because He's training us to teach and trust in Him. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord. And so here they are. And God shows up because somebody had the authority of God. Somebody stood on God's Word and He stretched His rod out and God honored that and He parted that seed. But God didn't just leave them to tread in the mud. God cleared the mud up too because He had three million people that He was going to deliver. Not only was He going to deliver them, but the enemies that were chasing them, them. he was getting ready to destroy them with the very sea that he delivered his people with. God has some oxymoron that he throws at us at times, right? If you want to live, you must. If you want to receive, you must. Those are oxymoron. Here we go. We got a sea that's going to deliver God's people and a sea that's going to destroy the wicked. Let me tell you what God's saying to all of us this morning. Here's where I'm going to close. God said, "I'm ready to deliver you." I'm willing to deliver you. If you're in this building this morning, you're watching us around the world, or 48 states, or 50, wherever you're at this morning, or catching this podcast, God is here to deliver you. He's going to deliver you with His Word and His authority. The Bible says the Spirit and the Word agree. So the Spirit is going to come along, come into agreement with God's Word. He will have the authority of God because He is God. He's part of the Godhead. He's going to show up in your life to part your Red Seas. And when he parts your Red Seas, he's going to dry the ground up in front of you. You know why he's going to dry the ground up in front of you? So you don't get bogged down. When God delivers, he delivers. Can you say amen? He don't want you bogged down with your past sins. He don't want you bogged down with any addiction. He don't want you bogged down with some family member. He don't want you bogged down with the things of this world. When God opens the sea, He's going to drive the ground because when He delivers you, you're going to be fully delivered in Him. Can you say amen? Can you imagine trying to go through that sea with all that mud? Where's Jamie? There... There's her hairpiece, sunk. God wants to deliver you in such a way that the door is slammed on the past. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care if it's alcohol. I don't care if it's sexual anymore. God is coming to deliver you and take you to the other side. And you're not going to bog down getting from here to there. He is our deliverer. The world is not our deliverer. The system of the world is not our deliverer. It's getting ready to collapse. The Lord is our deliverer. He is the mighty deliverer. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You guys can come to the instruments. I'm done. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. God is our deliverer. He is our one to rescue us. He don't want you bogged down with things in your past. He don't want you bogged down with some situation, some addiction. He wants to take you over to the other side. And then guess what He's going to do? He's going to drown your enemy. Just like David said, i beat my enemy till they were dust under my feet. In another psalm, or maybe later on in this one. He said, till they became as dust under my feet. He said, the Lord has given me my strength. Neither did I turn back till they were destroyed. That's what, a lot, that's what happens to some people. They don't move away from the situation, they don't make it dead to them. Keep hanging around, turn and destroy that thing until it's done. God's your deliverer. You can, you can run high and wide if you want to, wear yourself out and spend all your money, or you can go to God. Save you dough and go to God. <laughs> he, he's able to do far above what we can think or ask. Amen. Father, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for all those that are here. We thank you for a wonderful example of David. David is our example in so many ways, Lord. He has he's proven to us that failure is not final. He's proven to us that you don't kick us aside. He's proven to us the value of asking directions all the time from you. He was constantly. He's proven to us the value of repentance and turning from our sin. He's proven to us that we can live a life and handle our moments without doubt. He's proven to us that your love never stops even in our worst moments. He's proven so many things to us, Lord. He's proven to us that we are called to be mighty warriors. But the battle's not in the natural, it's in the spiritual realm. He's proven to us that we can be the apple of your eye. And He's proven to us that endurance is the way of a believer. We hang in there, we stay. No matter what the battle is. No matter what the failures are. No matter the opposition. We look to you. We maintain that relationship. No matter what's going on in our lives. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, it's a good day to get saved. We'll take you straight to the river and baptize you. maybe you're listening today somewhere around this country around this globe you're watching us live we welcome you and we just if God's convicting your heart don't be mechanical I don't lead people Lord that way pray this prayer with me and you're okay no it needs to come out of your heart just tell him you're a sinner tell him you need forgiven tell him you believe that he is who he says he is that he died on the cross he rose from the dead you're here this morning You need to get saved. Maybe you're a prodigal and you need to come home. Your father's waiting on you on the porch. In fact, he's looking for you. Standing on the porch. And he'll come off that porch and meet you just as soon as you step out. Maybe you have some other issue. Maybe you have sickness. we got the oil up here. We'll anoint you and pray over you. Whatever your need is, will you come as we worship